Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Warby, and I am here with uh, with Justin Moyer today. Um, as you know, if you've been listening, uh, I've had uh, Tarina, my wife, with me. She is not going to be with me today. We've we've got the opportunity to have Justin here. Um, Justin works with us. He's he's been a student for a little while and and um, learned to. Well, I think you were trading before you came here, but you learned how to, you refined your yeah. craft, let's say. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? That's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, not profitable uh, before, I came, before I came here. Absolutely you were not. donating to others' profitability yeah, was, before you came. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but, but you saw the magic, and so you kept going at it, right? 100%. I, <laughs> I know I tell I tell um, everyone I I don't know how long it would have taken me to learn like to get where I'm at now. Yes. YouTube University, Twitter, like I, I was listening to I was following these guys on Twitter. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> I, I was seriously it was bad. It, I don't I don't think I would ever gotten to this. Right. Place. Yeah, so you know I um there are many ways to to learn how to trade. All of those ways cost you something yeah okay oh yeah one way or another everyone it's will pay the market you. tuition you pay the market tuition so you're either going to uh you're you're either going to you know try and learn it yourself and that's the most expensive way it really is all right because you end up donating and donating and donating and donating while you're trying to learn the rules trying to learn what the professionals always know right one of the least expensive ways is to go and work on wall street they're going to pay you for the experience, but typically not well at first. But you learn how it actually works, and then you're able to take that elsewhere. Right. All right. And then there's, uh, you know, then there's the education systems like ours. And the better the education system, the less you pay, because you know you're still going to pay a little bit as you try and implement the rules in market tuition, in losing to the market how much do you want to lose the better the education the better the the education you get up front the less you end up donating and so the I'm, faster you get into profitability i'm sure a lot of traders out there listening are probably wondering well how do you i'm curious how you would answer this how do you know if an education is good or not because i remember going through youtube videos and you know you'd see these random gurus yeah. saying selling their courses so how would you identify a good course or good education i'm sure a lot of people are wondering that all right. So, so here are some markers of a good education. Okay. If you're, if you go in and immediately they're, they're bedazzling you with all the money that you're going to make, but they haven't talked at all about the risks and how to control the risk, you are in the wrong place. You're getting scammed. All right. <laughs> Another good marker is that when it comes down to it, trading and investing is all about the ones and zeros. It's money. It's, a, it's math. If it doesn't make sense, if it, if it doesn't flow on paper, again, you're getting scammed. All right? They don't know what they're talking about. They're just fluffing it up. You know, they're trying to give you some uh, magic cure-all. Hey, yeah. look, if there was a magic cure-all and it was as easy as, as simply doing that, 
then Goldman Sachs wouldn't have 10,000 analysts working for them. Right. They'd have some little magic potion. All right. If a program worked, if you could just write a program and make that work for you, guess what? Goldman Sachs would already have it. They wouldn't be paying thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of dollars every single month in order to in order to uh, trade really. Now, we're going to talk about Goldman Sachs. They've had their worst quarter ever. You know, has nothing to do with the fact that they don't have a program doing it for them. <laughs> All right. But, um, but it, it, if those things worked, then trust me, the big, big guys that have it already. And so if you're being sold one of those uh, products, they, and they're, they're touted as anything more than simply helps to help you to, to find a way. Yeah. It's, if it were that easy, Goldman Sachs would have it. Bank of America would, JP Morgan, Citigroup would have it and they would lay people off. They have no problem laying people off. JP Morgan has laid off a lot of people and especially here in the, in, in the Phoenix Valley, right? We've seen all of their locations uh, closing, laying people off. Wells Fargo, same thing, laying people off. They have no problems laying people off. The people they're not laying off is their trading floor because they still need them. So when you're looking at things, you've got to look and say, the people that are actually making it happen, making a profit at this, you know, and you, they can prove it in their books, what are they doing? What is their secret sauce? And, and if it's not matching up with what somebody is trying to sell you or the education they're trying to sell you, eh, probably not a good sign. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, we're going to uh, talk about some things. Now, if you've been following along, Tarina uh, last week promised that we would be talking about Roth IRAs. She was not able to be here this morning. Um, and so uh, because of that, she really wanted to be the one that talked about the Roth IRAs. She's, hey, she's I been love on Roth a, IRAs. Yeah, I'll, me too. We'll talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's been on a self-discovery with Roth <laughs> IRAs, all right? Um, and so she wanted to be here to... To discuss uh, to discuss those, and I'm not going to take it away from her or Ugh. try and preempt her. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. She said that she wants to do a special. Now we usually do this, you know, so that it's available on Saturday mornings. And I know we're going to be a little bit late uh, on this uh, because it's Saturday morning and we're just publishing. Okay, but uh, but she's saying that we're going to do on Tuesday. We're going to do a special one just about Roth IRAs. So stay tuned. Well. Uh, coincidentally, yeah. I was just researching Roth IRAs, so I'm a little bummed yeah. <laughs> that we can't talk about that. But <laughs> hey, so I, I just found out, by the way, and you know, I'm, I mean, when I say this, Justin's probably going to look at me like, "What? You, you didn't know that?" You know, <laughs> duh. Um, people expect podcasts to be like a daily thing. Not like the radio where it's kind of a weekly thing. You know, you've got your, your week. No, they want you to be on there every day if they're going to follow you, for heaven's sakes. And, you know, th that that would be fine, except that when I talk to people, it would be, you know, I, I think that if I were talking every day, it would turn into kind of a trading show where I'm telling mm. you what trades I'm taking that day and what, what my thinking was behind it. I would, be, I would be okay with doing it if I wanted to take that kind of time, which I don't, you know. Uh, but I think that people would get less out of it, uh, ultimately, unless they were our students. And so uh, people joining us that aren't actually our students would get less out of it because during that I would have to talk about my thinking. We've got kind of that 
you know, patented structure right. of how we do it. Uh, not only that, but most people don't even know when I say futures or Forex, something like that, don't even know what that is. And when I talk about options, that's that magic thing that they've heard about, but is way too complicated for them. Yeah. You know, and, and so, and these things are kind of mundane for those that have been through um, our education. We teach about all of those things, you know, stocks, options, features, Forex. We talk about them, we teach about them all, uh, but it's not something that's generally known by, you know, by the public at large. And so if I started talking about it, I think I'd probably lose everybody except the students. The students might love it. Yeah. But hey, for you students, you've already got XLTs for just right. that, you know, for your daily talk track on And that, on they're going to do better than... Uh... Than uh, than listening than to it me. over the radio because or the, over, over a podcast because you actually get to watch them do it, watch yeah, them exactly. trade in front of you, and it's going to be a better explanation than just talking about it over the radio, yeah. right? Yeah. So anyway, um, w- what I want to address today is a couple of things that are going to affect both the trading and the investing, and it, and it has affected over the last uh, little while both the trading and investing. Uh, so one of the big headlines just recently, was as the quarterly reports come out, was Goldman Sachs. They had their worst quarter in history with revenue dropping 58% below this quarter last year. All right. And now think about that. During this quarter last year, the market was heading down, right? 2022. Oh, we yeah. Had, horrible. We had a, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Right now it was uh It was, it was headed down. Yeah. Uh, but this year, it's been going up. We're Sky- ripping up. Right. We're 19% up uh, year to date, for but heaven's it's, sakes. It's like seven companies pushing that. Right. That yeah. Bull it's rally. only seven. Yeah. There's only seven companies that are actually pushing it up. Um, everybody else is either sideways or down, but, but the big five and two other companies have been pushing this up. It's, yeah. Right? It's not sustainable. Yeah, even though their numbers are terrible. <laughs> I know, I know. If, the if numbers don't even numbers, make sense. Yeah, if you look at their numbers, you look at their quarterlies, it doesn't make any sense. But when things are troubled, people tend to run to places of safety. It used to be blue chip stocks. The new blue chip stocks are some of these tech companies like Apple and Microsoft. Uh, you know, even NVIDIA has gotten some attention. Now, NVIDIA wasn't one of the big five, but because they were the first into the AI territory, and people are trained to run to whatever is new and shiny. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden, we saw NVIDIA shoot up, all right, way above where their intrinsic value, the intrinsic value of right. their company with the with their revenues, way above that. Um, but you know, people don't know how to calculate that anyway. So right, it's yeah. all it, yeah, it's, it's all, all speculation and emotion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you know, as as these have been ripping up, even if it doesn't make any sense based on the numbers, people, you know, what we what we can learn from that is that what where people are buying, where there's more buying um, interest than selling interest, we're going to see prices move up, no matter what's going on in the company, right? Um, great example of that is always going to be uh, GameStop. GameStop oh, is a company that hasn't made a profit since 2015, but when it got some attention, right? Uh, the bull, what what was it? Wall Street bets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people and and uh, then Wall Street bets was touting, it and all of a sudden we had um, Elon Musk say GameStop. Now this company hasn't made a profit since 2000. It, it's not in a position where it's going to make a profit anytime soon, but it ripped up. All right. Uh, went from $4 to almost $400 Absolutely almost insane. overnight. 
Insane. Yeah, that's insane. Right? Nobody knew what was going on. But because there were more people that wanted to buy it than sell it, it's going to go up. And that really is all there is to it. Uh, so when we're talking about the markets, we can look at the underlying value of the different companies and say, well, this is where it should be. But because people in general don't know how to calculate that, it's never actually going to tell you where the price is going to be either low or high. Right. Uh, our markets right now do not reflect the economy and, and I would, are I, very unlikely to in the future. I would say, yeah, especially, I'm, I'm young, but even more so it's becoming speculation with all, with the advent of the internet and Robin Hood and the Weebles. And now any oh, yeah. Joe Schmo can just open up a trading account and throw yeah, their yeah. money in there. Go and look at the markets pre-internet. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, much when, more stable. When and, only the professionals were in. When Because the professionals all had the same numbers that I yeah, did. Yeah, valuations right? were a lot more, you know. Uh, um, exactly. Uh, Everything uh, is accurate. value. Yeah. Value stock, value, value, value. Because we, we knew how to how to look at a company and say, all right, here are their assets and here's how much money they're making and this is their their outlook. I'm going to, if, if I were buying this company, I would offer this price. So divide that by the number of shares uh, that there are. And that is where I, that I'm not willing to buy it any, any more expensively than that price. And I'm not willing to sell it any less expensively than that price. And so there was very little fluctuation in the market. You know, only the professionals were there and everybody had the same information. Um, now there is a total lack of information out. Now, now there's more information out there than there's ever been. The internet opens up information to everybody. All right. A company sneezes and everybody knows it immediately. Yeah. Right. But because they don't know what to do with that information, because they have no basis of interpretation, no calculations at their fingertips. They have never been trained to look at it and say, well, that this is what that is going to mean in the future. All right. Whether it's bad news or good news, this is how much it's going to affect its downside. This is how much it's going to affect its profits upside. Because there is no basis of understanding that is common, then everything is done based on, you know, based on emotion. And so bad news mm-hmm. is going to drive fear and it's always going to be overplayed. And so we're going to see it go down further than it should for that piece of news. Or there's going to be good news and you might see it go up much further than it should based on the news. But since people have caught on that, you know, since the uh, since professionals um, and people that know what they're doing have caught on that that the general public is going to view any good news as, as you know, yeah, something they'll, that should they'll go use up, that right? to, uh, yes, they kind use of play that with our emotions to, and manipulate the market. Not only manipulate, but let, let's look at Netflix, right? Their quarterlies just came out. Oh yeah. They tanked. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, but Netflix actually had good news, right? They had more, uh, they had more people joining Netflix than, than they had anticipated. The stock went down. All right, it was a straight up manipulation. So, so you you you're saying uh, good news was released so institutions could sell into the retail yes. traders buying. Yes, they sold into the retail in, uh, traders buying. They wanted to get out of their positions and they needed the liquidity. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and so good news means hey, at least the price price isn't going to drop. Let's get rid of everything we can. Yeah, I remember right? when I first started trading good news. Uh, I was trading some stupid stock and. and there was great news about it. I I ended the day down like 
50 <laughs> percent so bad but uh yeah you got taken to the cleaners yeah yes so clearly it was one of the exact uh, same example of right selling into liquidity and trying to get out big players exactly um but that doesn't mean that the rhythm of the market hasn't gone away they're still expected to be um recessions and they're still expected to be you know there's the the market overall is going to um, is going to take dips, but the thing is, is when we're emotional, those dips are much larger than they should be, right? Uh, so, uh, so prior to the advent of the internet, prior to the advent of everybody could trade, not just the professionals. Do you know how many uh, plus fifty percent um, drops we had in 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 a century? Maybe one. One. That's it. Depression. Uh huh. Yeah, we're looking at if, if, if uh, well, if Warren Buffett is right, if Goldman Sachs is right, if, uh, you know, the, the really big players are right, we're looking at three in the first three decades of this, uh, you know, of this century. Uh, that's insane. Okay, we've already had two. We're looking at, at a third one coming up. Yeah. And on that note, Goldman Sachs uh, had its worst quarter with the revenue 58% below the same quarter last year. What's going on? Well, just like we talked about last week with Citigroup and JP Morgan, they it's not because they were losing in their trades. Goldman Sachs wasn't losing in in their trades. And now Goldman Sachs a lot of their revenue comes from their trading floor. All right, but they couldn't make the deals with uh you know with with people that that they would say, "All right, I'm going to fund you and and I'm going to take part of your profit." They they couldn't invest that way. Because they didn't believe that the market was, they, they believe that the market is going to drop. And they still believe. And do you know how, who else believes that the market is going to take a big drop? Warren Buffett. He's still sitting in $188 billion worth of cash. Yeah, I think, he, I don't know, I don't know when he has been that cash heavy. He's never been that cash heavy. And he would be deploying his cash if he thought into something, if he thought it was going to keep going up. But he's waiting for things to get less expensive. He thinks that there's a drop out there. And so he's still remaining in cash despite inflationary pressures. All right. So um, Goldman Sachs was in the same boat, expecting it to go down. And so they curtailed a lot of their swing and longer trades and did only day trades. And so they were 58% down in their trading act, or, well, overall, they were 58% down. And a lot of that had to do with how they were trading. All right. Now, typically, an event, you know, typically, what they're looking for is they think that there's going to be a drop. So, you know, how can they tell when a drop is coming? Well, they can't. But typically, there's something that signals that we should have a drop. All right, so like quarterly numbers come out and we just absolutely fall on our face, right? That would be a signal to everybody, hey, mm-hmm. time to get out. Um, something goes out of business, like Lehman Brothers. That's what triggered 2008. Right. Lehman Brothers went out five days, uh, five business days later, the market just fell off a cliff. When did Bear Stearns? Bear Stearns was uh, Bear Stearns right was a little there? bit before that. Oh, okay, right, but it was Lehman Brothers that, that really ca- yeah. ca- was the kind of the catalyst or the the sign. Right, not really the catalyst. Yeah. So, so that was the second but shoe the, that dropped. The sign, right? Second shoe. Oh no, we really are in trouble. Yeah. And there was five days when the big guys were trying to fluff it up and get out um, at, at higher prices, and then they let it drop off. So five business days later, psh, all of a sudden we just jumped off a cliff. Um. 
And and so, you know, what is going to be the event that they are looking for? Well, here's the issue that we've got. Have we had large banks go out of business? Yes. Oh, yeah. SVB, larger than, than Lehman Brothers. Really? Right. And since that, yeah, we've oh, had no. more banks, more banks uh, just go insolvent and be taken over, uh, you know, uh, actually have to use that insurance. We've had more banks... Uh, over the last year go out of business and all of the rest of it than we had in all of 2008 through 2011. So is that going to trigger it? Well, you'd think you'd think, right? But it didn't because as well as the interest rates. I mean, it seems like everything was kind of, I mean, the raising interest rates. Oh yeah. 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 At quarterlies, you'd think that that would have dropped it. And we've had some horrible quarterly numbers right? Uh, look at, you don't have to look any further than, than target to see, holy crap, something's wrong. But we've had that and it didn't happen, you know? And so what is going to convince the overall public that really controls the market that, that prices need to drop, that, that uh, maybe something is really wrong with the markets? I'll tell you what, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've had, we've had all of these things happen and nothing yet has dropped the market. And that is proof again, that, that the economy is not the market economy, not good. No. Yeah. It, it's Market's not being good. The, yeah. Who knows? But the only difference between the other, you know, 2008 and other times would be the amount of, I mean, it's, it's, it's highly connected to the amount of people, the amount of retail traders now in doing their own stuff or, or yes. you know, with the internet. I- no, you're exactly right. So, so this is a gift that, that is going to, um, you know, have both a, a, a downside and an upside, you know, so over the last 20 years, it is becoming very apparent to the public that letting somebody else manage your money, right? Uh, giving your money to, uh, to the mutual funds or something like that simply isn't working. It, there's not enough there to retire. Their money isn't growing fast enough. And and so there's been some distrust for those professionals handling somebody else's money. And there's a lot more information out there. And so it's becoming very apparent that, that, uh, that you know, the S&P 500, the ETFs are blowing out any of the funds. So you know, if you knew that, yeah, why would you invest in, in yeah, why uh, would you pay somebody to, to manage your money if you could do better than yeah. they would do? Because, you know, the other numbers that are out is that the S&P 500, the ETF, the SPY beats 98%, 98% it's a no brainer of all professionals. And so, you know, there, there's been a lot more interest in the individual managing their own money. And so, yes, we've had a lot more people coming into the market, managing their own money and, and trading and investing themselves. However, because they come without understanding, because they come in without knowing how to value a company or mm. what a company's value yeah. is, what the stock value you know is likely to be based on different circumstances, or what is good or bad from the economy... And the economy is a reflection of the companies out there, at least their net value, right? Um, then there is no basis of understanding as to when things should go up or when things should go down. And so it's just an emotional mess out there. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and so we have things that we've never seen before. Well, we haven't, no, I take that back. We haven't seen them since 1920s. We have seen this before, but it was in the 1920s. Okay. Um, and so, you know, my theory is, is that we're actually looking, we're in the middle of another paradigm shift. We're shifting towards stocks, not as a valuation of the co- of a company, the underlying asset value, but simply simply used as as a value of its own it's simply a trading object and therefore the price of the of the stock never has to reflect what's going on in the company it it is just going to be a reflection of what's happening you know of the interest in it and what what people are willing to buy and sell it for uh, all right now that that would seem very basic but again that that is a paradigm shift because there has been more weight in the past given to the value of the company as a reflection of the stock price, whether it's going up or down. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's a great analysis. I mean, I, you can also see it in the price action of the market, the moves, the way the market is. If you go do analysis, I mean, you yeah. look, you know, the price, you can see the price action is a lot different than how it was. You know, even exactly. Years ago. Yeah. Now this is going to be good for those that know how to trade bad for those that, think that buy and hold is still going to work. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, The the buy and hold has been disproven and disproven and disproven and disproven over the last 20 years so many times that that it's becoming, you know, that it's achingly obvious and it's becoming general knowledge. All right. Um, But still, if you're, you know, as old as I am, it's hard to, to think that it doesn't work because it always worked before. But... There's a paradigm shift. And when you've got a paradigm shift, you have to have a strategy shift to keep up. And that's really all there is to it. All right. Um, Another thing that's happening in the markets, and so I think we beat this Goldman Sachs thing to death. (laughs) All right. Another thing that's happening in the markets is I've been telling everybody for years that even though inflation is likely to drop, it doesn't necessarily remain dropped. Because what happens is, is sooner, you know, we, we're going to go in spurts. We have uh, periods where, where they start bringing inflation down because they raise interest rates and that takes money out of the system. But then we, we're going to have uh, times where the workers themselves are going to rise up because of the inflation that we already have and say, I don't make enough to support my living standards. You need to give me more money. Mm. All right. And so UPS uh, drivers are doing that. The Teamsters are doing that. They are, you know, they're threatening a walkout, which means no UPS packages would be delivered. This is going to hurt the company enormously. Even the threat that they might pull out, that they might not deliver, is hurting the company. Because if you needed a package sent right now, and you knew that it might not get delivered, would you send through UPS? No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and so they're holding the company hostage, saying, "Hey, just the threat is going to hurt you." Imagine if we walk out. We want yeah, forty-two dollars an hour to drive. Their current average is thirty-seven. They want forty-two. Okay, um, that's actually more than skilled laborers, and so they're not getting a whole bunch of of support in this from the public in general, who's saying, "Wait, a guy right out of high school." is going to make more than a nurse. Yeah, where'd they pull this? This seems you know, just it, kind of arbitrary. That yeah, for, a four-year degree nurse. What, 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 you know, how does... But because they are saying, no, we need a, a working, a living wage, and it should be somewhere in the $54,000 range. And, and I, I sympathize with that, you know. 
but but that's what they're contending uh, that they need to be paid, you know, as much or more than than the registered nurses out there, uh, you know, and the other skilled labor. Well, the thing is, is that you know what's going to happen is is that the UPS, the company, isn't can't make their own gold. Yeah, right? it, you can't just. It, 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 so where they would they, love to do that if they could. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, where are they oh, going to get the money to pay the drivers? <laughs> They yeah, it's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, it has to come just, from somewhere. And so they're going to raise yeah, the price of shipping. They have to, right? This is, this is going to force them to raise the price of shipping, which is the definition of inflation. And so the more you see of this, the more you see uh, demands for higher salaries, demands for higher uh, wages, you're going to see that we're going to get to a point where all of a sudden this is going to work out for the Teamsters, and that's going to give other people ideas. And so there's going to be more walkouts and more wage raises. And when wages raise, they have to get the money from somewhere. And so you're going to see prices continuing to, to creep up. This is what happened in the 70s. All right. And so we had this up and down pattern for a whole decade of inflation. They finally killed it in the 80s by raising the rates to 18% and just causing so much pain that employers couldn't possibly, even if they walked out, they'd, you know, they'd have to go out of business because they couldn't raise prices. Yeah. Um, and so the employee, there was enough people out of work during the early eighties to say, I'm not going to risk my job by trying to walk out and force. Right. And so they just accepted a lower standard of living. That's what's going to have to happen again. Do so you think right, they're going to have just, just to hike rates as enormously well, high to finally squash this? I think that we're going to have to have higher unemployment to squash it. Mm. People can't think that walking out of their job or leaving to a higher paying job somewhere else is going to continually being be the answer because the moment they do, they have inadvertently caused inflation. Yeah, it just harms by putting the consumer. A, yeah, by putting a higher burden on the uh, business owners and they've got to get the money from somewhere, right? And so even though I agree that the standard of living, you know, taking a lower standard of living is awful, we, no, none of us want to do it. It's going to be necessary in order for inflation to come back down. And inflation is really going to hurt a lot more in the long run than, I mean, it, it, inflation is going to rob your standard of living one way or another. And, right. But inflation, unlike, uh, you know, unlike the standard of living, also robs your long-term uh, wealth. Because the money that you've got now and that you've been saving and hoping to retire with is worth a lot less in the future with that kind yeah, of inflation. Yeah, it just deteriorates. Yeah. So if you thought you needed a million dollars to retire well, nope, you need two and a half million now. And tomorrow, it's going to raise up to three million. And by the time you retire in 10, 20 years, you know, whatever, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, it's going to be four or five million. And so now you've got to plan on being able to get there. And guess what? The 401k is not going to get you there. And neither is the mutual fund. Yeah. So you've got to figure out how to, how to make your money work harder for you. Or you've got to work harder and, you know, kill yourself uh, trying to find a better paying or trying to find a way to make more, in, you know, at a job in order to just fund sound, that kind of retirement. Just sounds miserable, though. Doesn't it? <laughs> I know. I'm more, a more to life fan. than that. I'm a big fan of sitting in front of my computer <laughs> and making my money work for me. Exactly. That's much better. All right. 
Um, so I, I wanted to address, uh, now that we've got that out of the way, I wanted to address one last subject for the traders out there. Okay. Um, I've had a lot of people telling me that their covered calls are dropping in value and they're right. It's been a tough period for covered calls. In fact, it's been a tougher period for options altogether because we've had much less volatility than we would normally have. That's a little bit seasonal. All right. During the summer, things calm down a little bit. All right. And volatility actually helps uh, keep up the the premiums um, of options. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then this probably doesn't apply to you because you're not doing covered calls. But you should, by the way. Covered calls are brilliant, right? Everybody should know how to do covered calls. Um, Unfortunately, most people have no idea and they hear the word options and they just... Calls, yeah, <laughs> covered. Uh, my yeah. my cousin does options, and he lost all of his portfolio. I'm not going to touch those. Well, of course That's he did. He didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. right? But but options in, in general, both calls and puts, were built as insurance. Yeah, exactly. All right, and so yeah, yes, here to help if, us. If you don't know what insurance is, if you're trying to insure somebody, right? You you're you've decided the easiest thing to do is is actually sell calls and sell puts but you have no idea whether the market's going to go up or down, then you're insuring somebody right into a storm. Yeah. And now you've just become, you know, all of a sudden you're the insurance company and, 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 uh, you know, Katrina just came along. Well, holy crap. Yeah. You, of course you just lost $500,000. You just insured somebody's, (laughs) you know, somebody's portfolio for 500,000 and you didn't know what you were doing. Um, options can be great. Covered calls are actually the only thing that I can teach that are riskless, at least if you know what a covered call is and do it in the way it was intended to do. Right. Um, but covered calls have zero risk to them if you know what you're doing, but that doesn't mean that they're always going to be as good as they used to be. Right. Because of, uh, you know, volatility well, yeah. markets. Right. And, so the market you know, has been going IV up. is huge. Right. Applied volatility. Right. The market has been going up. But if you look at, at what our movements are in the market today, as opposed to what they were, um, you know, back even in January, in January, we would have one and two, three percent moves in the market all in one day. Now you're looking at maybe a half percent move. All right. And that volatility um, is really hurting the insurers. Yeah. All right. Um, because people are saying, well, why do I need insurance? And a covered call is I'm selling insurance to somebody more or less, but with assets that I have covered, um, as in I already own them and I'm letting you either borrow them or, or I'm going to let you, uh, well, we, we always call it rent. I'm going to let you buy it at a higher price than I, you know, than it is right now Mm -hmm. and much higher than I bought it for. Right. If it gets to that point. Um, but because it's moving a lot less, the vol- volatility is a lot less. People are saying, well, why do I need insurance? Who cares? And so these, these assets are becoming, you know, the covered calls are becoming less valuable. Um, except for those five companies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh. <laughs> and, and so if you don't have that and you don't understand um, how that works, you know, here's the thing. Don't give up on it. Volatility is very likely to come back. September is the best time for volatility. Right. Summer's slow. Yeah. Summer's usually slow. I mean, it's been 
yeah. I'm realistically and, slow. But. And, and September is also the best opportunity for the next real drop of the shoe, which might do exactly what Warren Buffett uh, thinks it's going to do. And, and just we're going to watch the market jump off a cliff again. It's the next opportunity for those kind of events. Okay. Um, but under normal circumstances, these, uh, these things work very well. And under normal, cir- well, in, in any circumstances, you know, if you really want to do covered calls and you're not getting what you want and you're going to use this as a strategy, then Tesla, we just did a, something on Tesla the other day. And even with the current volatility, a covered call in Tesla is a notional 30% return on a year. Whether Tesla moves up or, or, or not, it, it, it's going sideways. If it remains sideways, you know, it's still a potential 30% based on today's numbers. Okay. If you were doing by week or if you were doing, uh, these covered calls every two weeks, right? 14 days. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it can still be a beautiful strategy. You, you simply have to understand the market better to make it better. Now, back in September, it was, or no, I'm sorry, back in January, we did the same analysis on Tesla, but it was 38% instead of 30. Oh, wow. So even Tesla has been affected. But hey, 30 is still good, right? <laughs> yeah, 30 is still good. That's great. Anyway, if you don't understand what covered calls are, you don't, uh, you know, you don't even know what the calls puts, other option strategies are, you don't understand the word futures or Forex, you really should. It's going to mean, it should mean something to you. And if you want a better future, it should mean something to you. Even if you were only understanding it enough to just watch it, because it is going to relate to how things it, are going to... It affects it's everyone. It's got a trickle-down effect, right? Yeah. And so if you don't understand what's going on there, then it, you know, you're, you're being affected. Uh, knowledge is power. Guess what ignorance is? Bondage. Okay. Really, it's bondage, and you're going to find yourself in bondage without without knowledge. So, if you'd like to learn more, we've got a free class. It's three. It's a three hour class. Just come and try it out. If you're in the Phoenix area, you get to try it out in person. It is so much more effective in person than it is um, simply watching the screen without you know with all the distractions of Mm -hmm. being at home. Um, where, where you can ask questions, where you can see it, uh, you know, happening in front of you, where you've got the group learning around you. So if you're in the Phoenix area, come in and, uh, and, uh, take one of these classes. If you're not in the Phoenix area, if you're elsewhere, we still have other online trading academies out there. You still might be able to get into a physical class, but if you can't, we do have these classes online as well. Okay. So to register for a class, just visit us at our website, www.tradingacademy.com. And we hope to see you in one of those classes soon. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll see you again, I guess, on Tuesday or Wednesday when Tarina gets around to talk about Roth IRAs. (laughs) All right. Until then, we'll talk to you next time.